1: Is it just uh, dead air? You good?
3: <laughs> even there, TJ. How, how are y'all not hearing that?
1: No, couldn't hear anything. Not. Yeah, not hearing a single thing.
3: I slurp tea very loudly.
1: No. Huh. Yeah. No. I don't know how you missed it. Didn't hear anything. All right. Our storyteller wrapping up his series today is Mr. the Thrill.
0: And to that, I say greetings and salutations.
1: Are you drinking anything? It's Friday.
0: Yes, it is Friday. I'm having a beer.
1: Okay, excellent. I'm drinking tea like my brother hmm. because Pretty friendly and also yeah, it's it's tasty. My tea is great, yummo. Anyway, so do we want to go with the down stuff first or the up stuff? I say we do down stuff. Are we good with down stuff? Going down stuff?
0: Yeah, because we'll go down for the stuff, up for the that, and then down for the episode, and then up again.
1: So we're. Trying to do an emotional roller coaster on our fans. Okay, cool. Doing our best. All right, so let's talk about the down stuff. Okay, first of all, want to get this out of the way. We did have several very prominent political figures pass away this week. We're not a political podcast, so we're just not going to talk about it, <laughs> but people have their thoughts, and I'm just going to leave it at that. But I'm going to throw it to TJ and Will, who are much more knowledgeable on the passing that we had within our community. And so one of you guys take it away because you are so much more knowledgeable about this than I am.
3: Well, I'm I'm not super knowledgeable other than I can on this uh, on anything, really, according to you from, from my entire life. Yep. But you know, Shane McGowan, the front man for the Pogues, just passed away in the last few days as we record this on Friday. Well, I'm trying to think of a way to explain them. Kind of a punk Celtic mashup. Is that kind of how would you, you would describe the Pogues? I think Celtic punk is probably the best example
0: because what was Dirty Old Town was their song. It's got kind of that, like, again, Celtic feel and then it definitely got a punk angle to it. So sure, let's go with that.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. A, there's one that says, well, I mean, like, I'm looking at the cover of, when, when I Google the Pogues, it gives you, like, some, you know, basic information on it and looks like one of their logos for either a song or for their album is Shamrock. So... I would say there might be some Irish flair there, but yeah, a pair of brown eyes, fairy tale of New York, love you till the end, dirty old town, streams of whiskey, and yeah, they're according to this they are an English I think or English
3: an, English and and
1: Anglo Anglo Irish Anglo-Irish is what they're called, Anglo Irish Celtic punk band. That is a mouthful. I'm actually going to go check them out because that sounds really cool. This might be a kind of a Nick Cordero situation where I'm just really sad that. I found him after he passed or Adam Schlesinger kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So I'm going mean, to go check. The cause,
0: of, the cause of death is also not fun. He died of encephalitis.
1: What is, what exactly is encephalitis? That's
0: basically an infection in your brain.
1: Oh God. Ooh, yeah, it's pretty oh, nasty. That sounds horrific. Yeah. So of course our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. That sounds like a horrific way to pass. I hope that he wasn't in too much pain because that, that yeah, sounds uh, or I think he had,
0: unfortunately, chronic health problems leading up to that and I think it's sort of like one more thing on the pile, uh, which is really,
1: really sad. Yeah. Well, moving on from that, let's talk about something that is a little bit more fun. Fun? Fun. And that is Whamageddon. Yes. The, the time is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Whamageddon 2023. Okay. First of all, I love playing this game because it makes me look like a friggin' lunatic every time I go into a store. Uh, or, like, today when I was pumping gas, I was, like, blaring my phone. So if, for some reason, the little computer that's on the gas tank, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the, the TV screens that they try to entertain you while you're pumping gas because we Oh, constantly- God, yes. well,
3: they, they, yeah. they can't leave you alone. Let me, let me pump my gas. And watch a trail of ants towed a Nicot cracker off into the distance. Must 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 I be bombarded with advertisements and <laughs> fake news and pretend? You know, I mean, do I need to hear about uh, who I don't know what some singer wore at some at some award show while I'm trying to pump my damn gas? I <laughs> think they believe get, that you get do. off my back. Leave me alone.
1: Get off my lawn. Get All off right. my lawn. So by the time. You guys hear this, Whamageddon will be in full effect. Here's the thing. If you guys remember the game from like 13 years ago, once you hear this, you are now in the game. The game is Whamageddon, okay? First rule, the objective is to go as long as possible without hearing Wham's seminal Christmas song, Last Christmas, okay? Now, the game starts on December 1st and ends on December 24th. Use your local time zone if you like, totally up to you. At 11:59, once the clock strikes 12, you are good to go. Christmas Day, you can blare wham at your window, and don't be afraid of the repercussions because they are great. The third rule: only the original version applies. Enjoy the hell out of remixes and covers, and whatever duff sister covered it. Go for Ugh, it. If there's an instrumental version of it, go for it. If it's on the Bells, I don't care. If Trans Siberian Orchestra does it, feel free. That'd be Blair awesome. It on- yeah i'm sure it'd be epic if they did it but here's the big thing you are out as soon as you recognize the song so if you guys are actively in Wemhalla, which you are now if you get out you must go to our social media page which is rock and roll heaven pod i believe on facebook and please say i got out i actually posted over on our facebook page the same basic instructions and a small little Christmas themed video so feel free to throw it up under there we've actually already got people that are like I'm in and I'm like yes perfect so just a couple things we added a caveat because with things like you know TV commercials you know those are the things that pop up you know like last Christmas might pop up in a commercial for the year or you know you might go into a store and you get whammed now those are natural whams in the wild. Okay. I am putting a moratorium on getting whammed by TikTok because unlike Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, where you can actually see what song is used before you listen to the video, you can't do that on TikTok. And there's no way to block a particular song on TikTok. So if you are the kind of person who likes scrolling through TikTok, please guys, feel free to, to scroll away without being sent to Wham Holla. Also don't, What's the nicest way to say this? Don't be a dick, okay? Don't blare it out of your car window. Don't hack your friend's Alexa and play it through your phone. Do not stand outside someone's house and blare it like you're John Cusack. Don't bomb your friends unless you choose the PvP. Player versus player. It's more of a survival game rather than a battle royale. So just don't be a jerk. Okay? And that's why I'm holla. So Welcome to the fight, people. Once you get out, don't worry. You will ascend to Whamhalla until next year on December 1st. Because if you hear it, you have died in battle.
3: Yeah, I inexplicably, for the first time ever, managed to outlast both of you last year. And I just, I don't feel like that's going to happen two years in a row. My, my wife likes um, Christmas music too I'm much. Already,
0: I'm already planning my exit music for when I do have to post because I have never won Wham again. Ever.
1: I won it three years I've straight. i never won it. But I also prep, like I wear headphones when I go into stores, I don't listen to the radio, like for 24 days, I am in my own little bubble. And the reason why it happened last year, we got out on December 22nd.
0: We were- Oh, I got out before then.
1: No, you didn't. You got oh, out the one- same time that's when we got the, into the taxi
0: the taxi okay that was epic Come on, got that was a, really funny though
1: yeah it was a shuttle taking us to the airport <clears throat> from our when we dropped off our car from the parking and we got into the car and right. literally they played it like four times on that Capra. <laughs> we're like, like, well, <laughs> so then we walk into the airport and they're playing it there so we're like yeah it, we would have been out no matter what we would have been out so we made it 22 days but luckily we are now out of Wimpala. We are back on our feet and we're ready to go.
3: Yeah. Um, I managed to outlast you both last year for the for the first time ever. And it's just it's just not gonna go well. For
1: did me. you did I you just, did you win or did you just outlast us? I think I got I
3: wanna say I got to Christmas Day, I think. Then so you, maybe won. I then you won. won. Yeah I then you definitely won. outlasted you. But again, my wife loves Christmas music. There are stations here that Began playing it on you know November first. Our Bose is set to go off every morning to a station that plays it. I, I'm doomed. The, the <laughs> that the horrendous angel of death known as Andrew Ridgley is going to come and claim me and take me to Elm Hollow. If I they were doing
0: odds, TJ would be like 105 to one.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people, yes, yeah, so that's what people should do. That we should lay odds. We should have over unders on how long will all last. Mm-hmm. We should have people place money. You know. A little, uh, a little something for the effort on the side. If you want to get side bets going, that that's great. Please do.
1: Yeah. And let us know. I mean, I, here's the thing. I'm pretty much, my brother's the long shot. I'm the sure bet because I take steps. Like like I said, I'm I'm willing to look like a lunatic in Target if I have to. Screaming, waving my arms around, running out of a store. Doesn't matter. I'm here to win.
0: And, and I'm the horse in the race because they needed another horse. So they're like,
1: here,
0: here's a horse. <laughs> Go.
1: All right. Well, on that note, we should go to a sponsor break, and we will be right back to wrap up the series on Dwayne Allman.
2: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them.
0: Thank you. So we are on the final chapter of Dwayne Allman. All good things must come to an end. And so does the tragically brief life of Dwayne Allman. When we last left our our subject here, we had just closed out the Layla Sessions, closed with LD's favorite song, I think, ever involving Dwayne Allman. Accurate. And we went through a lot of things, which, yeah, this episode does have a warning, too. I know last week we covered a lot about uh, drug use and substance addiction, and we are going to be talking a little bit about that as well. So please note that those are triggered for you. This may not be the episode for you. So we have made it, folks, to the summer of 1971. So Dwayne Allman is on the clock for a mere three more months. Yep. They say that the road went on forever. Well, it certainly wouldn't go on forever for Dwayne, his brother, and the Allman brothers. They had finished up the Layla sessions. They were touring. They were living that crazy, all-over-the-place rock lifestyle. That you can imagine. Uh, Dwayne was was actually in New York to do the Fillmore shows and record a jazz album. We all know that Dwayne sort of gravitated towards blues and jazz. and That was kind of what he grew up on. And he really had an affinity for improv and believed that live performance and improv and live performance is really the acme of skill. This album was actually done by a jazz flutist. Yes, a jazz flutist. Uh, Is it it flutist or flutist? Flutist? I don't know. A guy who plays the flute and plays jazz? I think it's a flautist. a flautist. I believe you're a flautist. Um, yeah. he is a flautist then. Herbie Mann, which some of the jazz community may know, there was an album called Push Push, which actually Dwayne got to be a part of. And that was a big treat for him, because again, he was big into jazz. They were actually going to go off to the Newport Jazz Festival in Rhode Island. But as we remember, the Alwyn Brothers were getting a bit of a reputation. They're the only band I know of where one of their roadies kills somebody, and the excuse that gets him off is... Touring with the Allman Brothers would be enough to drive anyone insane. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. They were going to go to the festival. The crowds learned that the Allman Brothers would be there. They all camped out. The numbers grew and they were actually quite upset when they learned the Almond Brothers had not yet arrived. So what happened? Crowds stormed the gates, ripped the fences down, trashed the place, and they called the festival. So the Almond Brothers actually never got to play at the Newport Jazz Festival in 1971. By August of that year, they had been on the road for almost two years, which is insane. Can you imagine that? No. Yeah. Two years on the road.
3: That's that's a long time. Yeah. Yes.
0: So they were back in Macon, which was their home now. Dwayne had made his way out of the Big House, which was, of course, the inspiration for the idle wild South, people coming and going at all hours. He had actually moved just down the street from the Big House, actually, and make it a little further down to live with his girlfriend, Dixie. And as we know, Dixie is one of the presumed muses for his composition, Little Martha, which we shared at the way beginning of this series. But we don't know. That is just conjecture. We really don't know who Dwayne devoted the song to. And like I said, it was a short break. There were about two weeks And then suddenly Dwayne had to go back to New York. And this time it was not under the best of conditions. Again, being a big jazz fan, he had been a big fan of King Curtis. And I don't know how many of you know the story of King Curtis, Curtis Owsley, saxophone player. He had actually played alongside Dwayne with Delaney and Bonnie Sessions when he was in the studio. And that actually connected Dwayne ultimately to Eric Clapton. But unfortunately, King Curtis was killed on the front doorstep of his apartment on Friday the 13th in that summer of 1971. So Dwayne actually, and to and
3: if you'll remember, uh, Will mm-hmm. King Curtis came up in our last series. Mm-hmm. He played oh, yeah. on the uh, session with, oh, gosh, with Buddy Holly, but also with, with Waylon Jennings. He's the one playing the sax on the uh, Joe Le Blonde that was like yeah. Waylon's first big recording.
1: And I really liked that song, didn't people. I? Mm-hmm. I like the Joe uh, Blanc other, song. Other
3: other than the, the other than the horrendous butchering of the French language, good, uh, good. yeah,
0: there's that. Nothing beats my misinterpretation of, though, lonely Henri and me. (laughs) 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 And there goes our French listening group. So Uh, it's okay. There's
1: only like 16 of them. So we just lost
0: them all. So Dwayne was at the funeral. And so were other people he played with, which included Dizzy Gillespie, the Isley Brothers, Stevie Wonder, and of course, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. So that was quite the affair. And Dwayne had these words to share. He said. Music is what keeps me together. It's the only thing that can keep us going. God, I've got no idea what I'd do if I wasn't playing. And he was absolutely devastated by the loss of King Curtis.
1: Mm. The
0: tour picked up immediately after. So they get a couple weeks off, back on the road. Of course, their reputation preceded them. The tour had been overseen by a guy from Atlantic Records, actually. His name was John Carter. Not to be confused with the horrible Disney debacle, John Carter from Mars. But uh, Carter was actually an A&R man known as Artist Relations for uh, the record company, and he had actually linked up with them after the Fillmore East recordings. So he had seen them, but he, he loved working with them. And he said, hey, guys, you know, um, I really want to promote you guys, because that's basically what he was doing for the record company. But he had a big challenge there. It's really hard to promote a band for radio play when you have songs that are 13 minutes, 17 minutes, 22 minutes. 34 so,
3: minutes.
1: Yeah,
0: Exactly. Just so go Carter, to bed. <laughs> they don't a, know how to do to that. Go to
1: sleep. You start, they were playing like seven. They finished at 7 a.m. You 7 should not be ending a concert when there is like people going to their construction jobs.
0: Oh, they were doing it. So Carter had his hands full, not only with kind of trying to figure out how to market this band, but also just dealing with them on the road, which, of course, they had developed, again, quite the reputation here. However, it was Carter who started to realize a few things. He started to see that Dwayne was actually going downhill. Dwayne himself said, couldn't really see it at the time, but of course, you know, in later conversations with him, he said, you know, yeah, it was probably getting to me because he was just starting to wear down. He was exhausted from the road. He was up all night. He was high. He was taking a ton of drugs, and he was actually impacting his playing now and starting to show. So Carter brought that up. He said, Dwayne was always that guy who spoke a lot in the concerts. He was the voice of the band, and so many of the songs were based on his guitar work, but I could tell the work was slipping. He was tired. and He had been on the road too long it also didn't help that the scheduling for this tour just made
3: absolutely no sense uh which one, was, that, that? that's so common for this time too
1: well yeah. it, isn't that like one of the big things like during the day the music died where like yes. that, that you know they would be going off to this show and then going off to this show and then you know they're taking tour buses but they have to get to these places to test, so they would like that's why they took the flight was because they wanted to get some sleep and like wash their clothes. So, yes,
3: yeah, that's 100 percent it. They were playing shows far apart. Their buses kept freezing because it was the Midwest and the the North uh, in January. <laughs> so, yes, no, no, none of that made any sense. And this 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 probably this probably wasn't much better. from what oh, well, I, was I will
0: share with you these locations. So I'll let you decide. Night one, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Night okay. two, Minneapolis. People own a map. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah, but... yes, yes, they but do. Will and
0: they
3: threw darts at
0: it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah.
1: That they were colored and numbered darts. Just... Like wherever the red one goes, that's the second stop. Here we go. We.
0: It gets better because they go in three days: Tennessee, Ohio, New York. Again, just Bath, Tennessee,
3: uh, Ohio, Ohio, New York, New York. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay yeah so they
3: played wait a minute so they played alabama Mm -hmm. then minnesota then tennessee Mm -hmm. instead of alabama and then (laughs) which is considerably closer than ohio than new york York, than minneapolis which would have still been long drives but that would at least make some kind of sense
0: but yeah it was just bonkers and we did talk last episode that Dwayne was taking substances, you know, when he was little, he was sniffing glue, he was drinking beer, he did pot, he did LSD, speed, you know, and, and I think the, the uppers became the big ones. In fact, he would actually proudly tout that during the days of the Chitlin circuit, the crappy Southern circuit, that he lived on whiskey and pills alone. That was it.
1: I mean, but, that's what I do now. Right. <laughs> Except for the whiskey, <laughs> whiskey and, and pills, pills part yeah what was it david bowie's what, chili
0: peppers and, and vodka or whatever it was milk
3: milk and chili oh, peppers
1: yes milk and Oof. milk and chili peppers yeah and waylon That's apparently so
3: subsisted on cocaine and hershey's kisses at one point
1: Jeez. i mean to be fair hershey's kisses do have some nutritional value don't they Good, you know that some something i don't I'm sure they do, I'm I'm do sure they sure. They
0: sugar mm-hmm. cocoa yeah fat This is Mm -hmm. a time where Barry Oakley, this is kind of like the trifle excessive, TJ. Barry Oakley describes their drug use as being in, quote, ridiculous quantities. Uh, Yeah. Carter would say sometimes he, Barry, was so high that he would just fall over on stage. They would actually come out and start playing a song. He'd start giggling. He would literally fall to the ground. Dwayne would take the audience and go, okay, wait a second. I think we need a few more minutes. They'd leave. Like 30 minutes would go by and the band would come back. There was also an incident in a hotel room where Carter went to see Dwayne in the wee hours, and Dwayne was around a table with four or five other people he had never seen before. In the middle, there's a big white bag. Carter thinks, oh, cocaine. So he goes over to the bag. He starts, you know, touching his nose and leaning in, and Dwayne just stops and he goes, Carter, that ain't no cocaine. Carter just backed up, and he says, to this day, I have no idea what was in that bag. So <laughs> here's where some suspicions come in. We know that Dwayne was very much against the use of needles. He would actually say, drugs are one thing that'll do it and do it quick. It's how bands break up. I don't allow no shooting up in this band. I'm not putting up with none of that shit. I don't hold drugs against anyone, but I won't have anyone shooting up in this band. Any guesses on whether Dwayne was right about that?
3: I'm going to say no.
0: Yeah. There was a roadie that actually... To said later that they went on the road and his fee was $75 a day. The problem, he said, was that he would spend $125 a day on cocaine and heroin, which, for those of you doing the math, equates to be about
3: $931 huh. a day.
0: Yeah. So
1: so not Whalen size, yep.
3: but still... Not Whalen and not Rick James, but getting in the
1: neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You are, you're in the subdivision, but you're not in the same house.
0: They're on the board, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, the funny thing about the almonds is they always carried guns and knives because, you know, because. And they never overtly destroyed hotel rooms. They always did things that were kind of subtle. Like one thing they would do is take all the drawers out of a dresser and they would get really high and throw their knives into the dresser and then take them out and then put the drawers back. So no one would ever know that there were knife marks all in the back of this thing. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, that's like what they would do. Um, so by September, the almonds were actually back in L.A., it was good for them because they hadn't been back since they had been with the Hourglass, and we discussed what a debacle that was. And they returned to the famed do you know this place, Whiskey-A-Go-Go.
1: Hey, yeah. yeah. So
0: they got to actually play it as the Almonds, which was really cool. Then it was back east, time for an album. So they, the Almond Brothers now have three albums, two studio and one live, live at the Fillmore East. So it's time to get that fourth album out and about. So they would get into the studio in September of 1971 and start work on it. Tom Dowd would be the producer again. This one would really be a collaboration this time because it featured tracks written by virtually all of the band members in combination. Some of the songs they actually started working on the road leading up to recording, so they had a few under their belt that they could kind of crank out quickly, and that was the objective this time after, you know, Idlewild South took forever. These songs include a Greg Allman original, which is, of course, Melissa, Little Martha, which Dwayne had penned, and Blue Sky, written by Dickie Betts, although Joy and Greg also helped them with that one, too. The band was playing gigs around New York and they actually made their way out to the West Coast. So this is where it gets a little ominous because we're now into the month of October. On Friday, October 8th, Carter had booked them at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, which I don't know if it's still in existence today. But on that day, Dwayne gets up, he's doing a show and everything's great. He leaves the stage. That will mark the last time Dwayne Elman will appear with the Allman Brothers Live. Mm. So things seem on one hand to be getting better, Live at the Fillmore East actually went gold by the time this is happening, and Carter really busted his butt and actually got the Capricorn label to pivot, and now they're actually building other bands around what the Almond Brothers could do. So they're bringing in more similar acts, and they're kind of tailoring these tour schedules to feature the Almonds and other bands, and it's getting a huge following. And then the watermark moment is where TJ and LD, we've talked about this before, where it's just getting screwed into the ground on Contracts. By the time that third album went over the gold mark, they were clear of any debts to the label. Completely. Only took them three albums. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, Dwayne was starting to suffer. As we mentioned, Carter had noticed that he was starting to slip a little bit. His performance was getting a little shaky. Uh, Dwayne really sat down and he just took a hard look at the reality. He knew he couldn't keep doing this. The drug quantities were, as Barry said, absolutely bonkers. And he said, you know, no one in banned band is doing heroin, but Everyone knew people were doing heroin. It was just common knowledge. So he had to do something about it. And he was seeing that others were struggling too, which included Barry. Barry was addicted. Red Dog, his Brody was addicted. And then there was a member of the band that they did not name. So I actually do not know who this is, who was also battling addiction. And that one specifically was with heroin. Plus, the album was being recorded back in Miami at Criterion Studios, which was the hotbed of drugs and debauchery where they were for the Layla sessions. So they were recording, they were touring, and drugs were just at the ready. So Dwayne looks at this and goes, Okay, I got to do something about this. He grabs Barry, Red Dog, and this other bandmate and says, We're going to Buffalo. Like, what what the hell is in Buffalo? The Bryant Linwood Hospital. It was a drying out facility. So Dwayne checks him and his bandmates in and he says, we're going to get sober. So the other guy's like, we're not doing this. But Dwayne says, he's like, no, you're here with me. We are doing this. And he actually does it. He gets clean, walks out of there, feels great, ready to go. That was on October 25th, 1971. So those of you who know the history know, clock is ticking down here. Before he goes back to continue work on the fourth album, he stops over in New York where he goes to see his friend John Hammond. And I know we've discussed him before. John Hammond was actually a producer. Uh, this is his son, John Hammond Jr. Uh, who... So
1: uh, so when do we get to the part where he builds a park full of dinosaurs? Oh, that's in
0: 1992? 93. 93. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Tom Waits. He worked with Rolling Stones and Tom Waits. So he stays in New York a couple of days and again... Sees friends for what he is unaware of will be the last time. And on the 28th of October, Dwayne goes back to Mako. It was Linda Oakley's birthday. It was Barry's wife, and they're planning to throw her a surprise party at the big house. So Dwayne decides he's going to come in. He actually gets picked up at the airport by Greg and his new wife, Shelly, which it's time for a fun fact.
3: Fun fact! Fun
0: fact! Some of you may know Shelly Jeffs. She was the first wife of Greg Allman. And she would share the man- share the mantle of Mrs. Greg Allman with six other women. <laughs> he had seven marriages. Nice. And one of them was to share. Yep. Yep. For, for like a like few months.
3: twelve hours.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he literally do the "I'm going out for cigarettes" and just bailed?
3: I I think he said uh, he broke a tooth. I'm gonna go try to uh, find a pain. You know, go to a pharmacy and get a painkiller, and he he never came back.
0: He took off. Yeah. Yep. So Shelly was the first wife of Greg Allman and would be one of seven over the course of Greg's life.
3: But so I guess they were technically married or together long enough to have a child and record one record together. But uh, yeah, outside of that, the the actual union was not very long.
0: Correct. (laughs) Correct. So Dwayne actually stays with Greg and his wife, and then he decides he's going to go back to his place in Macon, go to the big house. Everything is good. One of the things Dwayne had said repeatedly throughout his life was, I don't want to die. But if I do, I want to die playing the guitar. We all know Dwayne. Love the guitar. But if you'll remember back to that first episode, he did have another love in his life, motorcycles. Dwayne was infamous in the town of Macon on his bike. It is said that if there was a law, Dwayne Allman would break it. According to Alan Walden, he would drive around with no tags, no driver's license, and no helmet. In fact, on one evening, the Macon police pulled him over because they saw him run a red light. They didn't realize it was Dwayne Ullman. When they did, they were like, oh, Dwayne, come on, man, you know, let's take you back to your house. So they escort him back to your house. and They're like, okay, Dwayne, stay in tonight. 30 minutes later, he gets popped again for running another red light. And the cops did not escort him home. They escorted him somewhere else. So Dwayne is heading over to the big house first to meet everybody. They're going to prep for the party, and all the gifts and the cake are actually back at Dwayne's house, which, again, is a little bit down the road. So they put together a small caravan. Dwayne gets on his bike. Two cars. Barry's in one car. The other car is Dwayne's girlfriend, Dixie, and her friend, Candace. And so they kind of caravan the three of them over to Dwayne's house. So Dwayne decides he's going to actually take a side road. So Barry continues on the conventional path through downtown Macon. Dwayne's coming along. He's being followed by Dixie and Candace, and he's traveling on Hillcrest Avenue, west in Macon, towards the intersection of Bartlett Street. At that point, a truck is coming from the east and is pulling into the lane to make the turn left. Dwayne sees that the truck is going to turn, sees he's slowing down. He goes, This isn't a problem. I'm going fast enough. I can make it around this truck. So Dwayne tries to cut around the truck to the left. What happens next is unclear whether or not the truck driver didn't see Dwayne or whether or not Dwayne misjudged the distance whether or not he saw he couldn't make it and then put his bike down isn't really sure all we know is he goes into the truck Dwayne gets thrown off the bike down the street the bike goes into the air so Dwayne is now ahead of the bike but the bike comes down bounces and lands right on top of Dwayne
1: oh god it carries
0: him 100 feet down the road
1: so it's seriously like that scene in Final Destination where Eugene gets pulled back. Yeah. Final Destination 2, I should the say. Car wreck, and they, yeah. Oh my God, I can't.
0: And, and the, the engine's running while this is happening. So the bike is still running and it's basically oh pushing Dwayne down the road. He loses consciousness immediately. The car behind him is Dixie and Candace. They immediately get out of the car. Dixie's running over to him. Candace is screaming, just get anybody to call an ambulance. Dwayne is out. He is out cold. The paramedics pick him up, they remove the bike, they put Dwayne in the ambulance, and they take him to the medical center of central Georgia. Meantime, Candace gets a hold of the phone, and she quickly lets Barry, she's quickly calling to get anybody, so she goes and follows Barry to Dwayne's house. Barry's oblivious, he's like, what happened? She's like, we have to call Greg. They get Greg on the phone. When Greg finds out what happened, he dropped the phone and ran to the hospital. He didn't even get in his car. He just jets out the door. Greg does make it to his brother's side, but again, his brother is unconscious and going into surgery. And sadly, he would never wake up. When the Jeez. bike landed on Dwayne, it crushed his liver and ruptured his carotid artery internally.
1: I'm assuming the carotid artery is the thing.
0: It's the major
1: one. It's, yeah. yeah, because if you if you cut your carotid artery, that's like almost instant death, right? It's, it's carrying you, so you, much you blood.
0: Will bleed, you, you will
3: yeah. bleed out very quickly.
0: Yeah. And he's doing that internally. So the blood is just throughout his body. The accident occurred at 5.30 p.m. on October 29th, 1971. By 8.30 p.m., Dwayne Allman was gone. He was Mm. 24 years old. Jesus. The funeral followed on Monday, November 1st. It took place at Snow's Memorial Chapel in Macon, Georgia. Dwayne's family was in full attendance, which included his brother Greg, his mother Geraldine, and his daughter Galadriel. All of the Allman brothers were there, road crew included. Some other notable attendees included Delaney Bramlett from Delaney and Barlet, Tom Doucette, Dr. John, Roger Hawkins, Jimmy Johnson, and Willie Perkins. They celebrated the way Dwayne would want to celebrate, with music. So the Allman Brothers and Tom Doucette actually got up and did a rendition of The Sky is Crying," followed by A Key to the Highway. Then they broke into a version of LD, you know this one, Will the Circle Be Unbroken.
1: Love that song.
3: Hey, Will, sorry to cut in on you here, but we need to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And we are back.
0: All right. Let's get back on the road with Skydog Dwayne Ullman.
1: To just reiterate, TJ, Will did not know the song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, until we were right. playing a game called Bioshock, BioShock Infinite. Infinite. Yeah, we were playing Bioshock Infinite, and the main character's sidekick, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. starts singing it, and I started singing along, and he's like, what is this song? And I'm like, it's one of the most beautiful hymns that I've ever heard.
3: One of my favorite versions of it is by Greg Alman, actually.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do love Randy Travis's version.
3: His his is great. The his Nitty great. Gritty Dirt Band did a very famous, much lauded and loved version. But yeah, Greg, Greg's might be one of my favorite, actually. It's beautiful. If you've never heard his version.
0: It's amazing. I think it largely came out of this, this funeral for Dwayne. His tribute, though, was extremely touching. Greg came front and center with just his acoustic guitar and sat down. And he said, here's a song that I'm going to sing for Dwayne. I never cared for it much, but I'm going to sing it today for him. And this is what he played. Here is Melissa by the Almond Brothers.
2: Oh uh-huh.
1: we are back
3: that we are oh my lord
1: yeah such a good song
3: god that is, oh that that guitar part is one of the most beautiful guitar parts ever put in the tape ever 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 it and is. Greg's voice compliments it so the whole that is that song is absolutely gorgeous I love that song
0: it's not just one of my favorite Almond Brothers songs it's one of my favorite songs
3: period like mm-hmm. of all
0: songs ever it's just Fair. incredible there were several people that spoke at his funeral John McEwen learned of Dwayne's passing and said at first I was mad because I would never see him again. Then I was mad that I didn't spend more time with him. It just wasn't fair. Producer Jimmy Johnson said you could play a song or a demo for him just one time on an acoustic guitar and he would get it. It was unbelievable. In one pass he could remember every single chord. You always hear people like that, hear about people like that, but you never meet them. Dwayne had that ability. Dwayne's producer Rick Hall said he was The most dynamic guy I'd ever seen walk into a studio. He was confident, but not cocky. He had an abundance of confidence that he could do anything. Dwayne's determination to cut Hey Jude with Wilson Pickett was nothing less than a stroke of genius. Jerry Wexler actually gave the eulogy, and he closed out with this part that I'll read for you right here. Those of us privileged to know Dwayne will remember him from the studios, backstage dressing rooms, the downtowners, the holiday inns, the Sheridans, the late nights relaxing after sessions, The whiskey, the music talk, playing cassettes back to back until the night gave way to dawn, the meals, the pool games, fishing in Miami and Long Island. This beautiful young man who we loved so dearly, but who is not lost to us because we have his music and music is imperishable. Wow. The band got together after the funeral to figure out what they were going to do. Greg was completely devastated, along with Barry, who was almost as messed up as Greg was. Also, Greg never wanted to be the front man. He's amazing because he's so incredibly talented, but he just kind of wanted to be on the side, playing his organ, doing his thing. The agreement was that Dwayne would want them to keep going. And so Dickie Betts actually reluctantly stepped up to sort of be the, quote, front man of the Allman Brothers. But really, it was sort of a, a shared detail. So they headed back on the road, and they went to work on the album. It wasn't easy. Their first gig back happened at Auburn University, and it was the first gig without Dwayne. The band actually stopped several times because they were in tears and couldn't continue. When they actually came to songs where Dwayne would solo, the band would play rhythm and the audience would sing Dwayne's guitar lines,
3: which is really cool.
0: Man, In the studio, they laid down more tracks. Greg immediately went to work writing. He insisted Melissa be included on the album. It went unopposed. He also wrote another song immediately after Dwayne's passing that is another great Allman Brothers song called Ain't Wastin' Time No More, which was inspired by his brother's early passing and just how much life is fleeting and you can't let it go, which is an absolutely amazing song, too. They decided on what to name it. One of Dwayne's favorite quotes was, There is no revolution, just evolution. That's why, whenever I'm in Georgia, I eat a peach for peace. Mm. And so, Eat a Peach was done. It wasn't released until February 12th of 1972, and it would be the last Allman Brothers album to feature Dwayne Allman. It number four on the billboard immediately went platinum. And to this day, Eat a Peach is the highest selling Allman Brothers album in their entire catalog. It's never been beaten, which is incredible. So what happened from there? Well, let's look at the band, let's look at the members, see what happens. Obviously, the Allman Brothers Band would go on for many years after Dwayne passed. Like I said, Dickie did become the front man, and Greg was kind of the quiet leader behind the organ, but they were also supported by j by Butch, you know, even Barry for his time with the band. They even brought back Chuck Lavelle, and uh, a musician you know, T.J. Warren Haynes, actually got yep. roped into all this, did a great job, too. Lamar Williams, Derek Trucks, who was the nephew of drummer Butch Trucks. Now, if you count up the studio albums for the Almonds in their entire career— There's about 20 studio albums. If you include live discs, the number is about 53 or 54 albums, which is just insane. The last studio album, Hit in the Note, was released in 2003. And obviously the Allman Brothers Band was just a launching pad for a whole bunch of other outfits, which include Government Mule with Warren Haynes, Greg Allman's Band, Tedeschi Trucks, Le Great Southern, Sea level All of these sprung out of the Allman Brothers Band. There were nearly 20 members of the Allman Brothers Band from its inception through 2014, when eventually the band would dissolve for good. They would reunite for one concert with the 50th anniversary. So, who was left? Let's go through the members. The only other person who was as devastated as Greg was Barry Oakley. Barry actually viewed Dwayne as kind of his big brother. And Dwayne was about a year older. So he went to rehab with Dwayne, as we remember. Immediately after Dwayne passing, he relapsed. He relapsed, went back into drugs, got back into drinking. It actually started getting really dark. He would go down these rabbit holes where he was convinced that he had known Robert Johnson and that hellhounds were actually chasing him and that he was doomed to die. Jeez. Barry wow. was more right than he knew. November 11th, 1972. Barry was on his way to meet his bandmates at the big house. He turned onto a side street, heading west, and a bus was approaching from the east. Jeez. Barry lost control of his bike. Upon impact, Barry was thrown from the bike. His 750 Triumph motorcycle bounced off of the bus, landed on Barry, carrying him 60 feet down the road.
1: Oh my god. Oh, it gets that crazier.
0: Is, that is, oh god. Oh, do wow. that's,
1: that's creepy.
0: Oh, just wait. Barry doesn't lose consciousness though he basically shakes his head looks up and be like oh my god what happened his nose is bleeding his helmet is totally busted so he's like "Uh, you know your car was following he's like you okay and he's like yeah 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 I just got to go go to the house so he gets there and his band kind of looks him over and Barry totally downplays it he's like yeah I, I dropped my bike on the way here it was kind of a mess let me let me go say change change my clothes and as he's leaving they look at his head and they see a little bit of blood like on his forehead like a little of blood and they, what they can't realize is that's actually a hole barry goes into the bedroom and admits he's screaming in pain oh the band god. is like get him to a hospital at 3 p.m they rush barry oakley to the hospital by 4 p.m he was gone Jeez. during the accident barry actually fractured his skull <gasps> and his brain started to hemorrhage he had no idea
1: oh my god
0: the surgeon's analysis said that Even if they had got him that moment, he he was was done anyway. There was nothing they could do. This accident took place one year and 13 days after Dwayne passed. It occurred four blocks from where Dwayne had his wreck. Barry was also 24 years old. Yeah. 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 He was finally interred in Rose Hill Cemetery next to Dwayne. Let's go to Dickie Betts. Forrest, Dicky Betts, aka The Ramblin' Man. He would, of course, stay on the Allman Brothers for almost three decades. He is one of the longest tenures, aside from some others. We'll get into those. He started his own solo project, the Dicky Betts Band, along with Great Southern and the Betts, Hall, Lavelle, and Trucks Band in the mid-70s. By 2000, he left under somewhat controversial circumstances. Um, those in the band claimed that he was abusing substances and that's why they kicked him out some say it was creative differences whatever it was betts never forgot it and ever since he left the band in 2000 he has never ever again played with any member of the Allman brothers so we don't really know what happened icky was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 1995 he is still with us today he is 79 years old he lives in sarasota florida He's been married five times, has four children. Here's a fun fact.
1: Fun fact? Fun, fun fact? fun
0: fact. Four children, three daughters. His daughter, Christy Betts, is actually married to a guitar player named Frank Hannon, who's the guitarist for Tesla. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And he did have one son. His final child, fourth, was a son born named Dwayne. Oh. J. Mo Johnson stayed also with the Allen Brothers, only he stayed on till the bitter end, despite everything else pointing him in other directions. In 1974, Jmo suffered a car accident, he had a back injury, and had to basically be sidelined for a better part of a year. He said the time left him, quote, dirt poor. He would return to the band, only to be threatened to be replaced when Dickey was kicked out in 2003. And then he had a conflict with Warren Haynes, but yet J. Mo stuck around. He would play with the Allman Brothers all through those decades. They would actually do annual shows at the Beacon where guests would show up would include Eric Clapton and Troy Anastasio. The band members did reunite after the band broke up. They got together in 2019 for a 50-year anniversary, which was everyone still remaining, minus Dickie Betts. JMO would say, you know, I just loved playing music with my brothers. He does still play in the jazz band, and he has a band called Les Braires, the brothers. He also was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 95 with Dickie. He is still with us, he is 79 years old, and he and Dickie are the only two surviving members of the Almond, of the original Allman Brothers band. Butch Trucks also stayed with the band until the end. He had several side projects with Dickie, he had a spinoff with Butch Trucks and Very Special Friends. He was a founder of the Roots Rock Revival Master Band Camp Experience. Butch was actually a very staunch defender of Dwayne Allman on all occasions. In fact, there was a critic named Roy Bl- blunt who called Dwayne a quote churl in one of his pieces. Butch went after him in an op-ed in the New York Times, just ripping this guy a new one, saying how wonderful Dwayne was. Trucks ended up having four children, two wives. He had four grandchildren. His nephews have come up before. We mentioned Derek, who obviously played with his band, but there was also another one named Dwayne, and Dwayne would actually go on to be the drummer for Widespread Panic. Oh, wow. Again. Sadly, Butch's story does not end very well. Uh, he apparently suffered from depression, and he said he had years and years of financial problems, which just kind of came to a head. Unfortunately, at the age of 69, in January of 2017, Butch took his own life. Jeez. Dwayne and Greg's mother, Geraldine, would continue to live in Florida. She was endlessly proud of her boys. She actually became well-known in the real estate community in West Palm Beach. Geraldine lived a wonderful life celebrating six grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. In 2015, on July 23rd, Geraldine was 98 years old. Two weeks later, she would pass. Mm. She would be survived by her remaining son, Greg Allman. He seems like the little brother that could. Greg's music career lasted five decades. And we could do an entire series on Greg. I mean, it's amazing we we haven't yet. Greg would actually settle in Richmond, Virginia many years later, and as TJ, you know, in his later years, he struggled with a number of health issues. He had hepatitis C. He had liver cancer. On May 27th, 2017, Greg Allman would join his brother, Dwayne. The funeral will be attended by former bandmate Dickie Betts, which everyone was surprised at, because Dickie swore he would never do anything with the Allmans again, but he made an exception for his funeral. It was also attended by Cher and President Jimmy Carter, was a yeah. Greg man's funeral.
1: Wow,
0: the funeral was held at his home in Richmond, but he was processed from Richmond to Macon, where he would rest beside his brother Dwayne and his band brother Barry in Rose Hill Cemetery. So, as we know, and sadly, I, I saw
3: um, I yeah. saw Greg in concert. Uh, it was it was a few months before he died. It was one I think he played five or six more shows after the mm-hmm. one I saw, and then he had to come off the road for you know health health reasons, and he went downhill very. You know, quickly yeah. and passed away. So, and I would never have known he was sick. That was one of the best shows I've ever been to. It, right? He was fantastic. You never, I would never have known it was anything amiss. He he killed it, man. It was one of the best yeah. shows I've been to.
0: So we know, folks, that sadly the road does not go on forever. In this case, this road went on for fifty six years, and it all started one night in Nashville, where a star struck country boy from Tennessee stood wide eyed in a crowd listening to prominent blues musicians it all started when his older brother put his arm around him grinned and
3: said little brother we got to get into this
0: and that's dwayne allman damn
1: why you gotta do this to me
3: even when you know even when you know what's coming these endings are still they're just terrible
1: they're really hard like even even when you like even when the subject knows like not not in this case because how would he have known that he was going to die in a motorcycle accident but like like, even when the subject knows they're going to die, and we know what the whole point of this podcast is, it still gets me every time, and it's still really sad.
0: It is, yeah. And it's one of those things where, imagine if Dwayne lived to 30, to 40, to 50. I mean, who knows?
3: Yeah, that's, that's the thing with with somebody like Dwayne. You know, you know, this year we lost one of the greatest guitar players that's ever lived and Jeff Beck, and very sad when, when he passed. But Jeff lived... To be, I think, into his seventies. his talent was fully realized. We got to hear essentially everything that he was going to be able to produce. He had a, a you know a long, great life. Eddie Van Halen died a couple of years ago. Now he he was not he wasn't uh, like old old, but he was in his he was in his I think earlier mid sixties, and I'm sure he had more to give. But again, he had a relatively long life and a long forty some odd year career. And we got to hear the the best that he had to offer the world, which is some of the best. You know, music that's ever been created. Tragedy when you talk about Dwayne, you know, Jimi Hendrix, or Stevie Ray Vaughan, who was only in his 30s and had just gotten clean. You know, when he he died mm-hmm. in that helicopter crash, is how much better could those guys have got? Like, what else did they have to give the world musically? That's the really. I mean, it's sad because a human life was lost, and people. You know, Greg lost his brother, and parents lost their son, and friends lost their friend, and bandmates. You know, lost a bandmate. You just sit there and think like. Yeah, God, think about how good he was. He was 24, and he yeah. really didn't start playing slide until he was, what, about 16 or 17?
0: Yeah, he just started to play, and yeah, it was a few years I ago. Mean, well. I mean,
3: how much how much better was he going to get? That's, that's the amazing, because you listen to it now, and you're just like, God. oh, God. It's, it's unreal. This yeah. guy's amazing. And, he, and the reality is, he played slide guitar for literally a handful of years. That's how mm-hmm. good he was. In that amount of time, how much better was he going to get? How much better was Hendrix going to be? How, what what else did Stevie Ray Vaughan have to give us? You know, you know, clean for the first time, basically in his career. It, it, that's that's the killer part of, of things like this is is when they died this young. There's Thank so much. much, so much. It's so there was just so much more to give. Man,
1: it's hard. It's really hard. But that was an excellent series. Thank you to Will the Thrill for opening that up to me and. I hope you guys liked it as well i know that will has sat countless nights reading books watching mm-hmm. videos like just putting what he could into Thank this you. and i think it was a really good series so
3: it says something about the collective you know talent of of that band as a whole that they lose somebody's pivotal and key and unique as Dwayne, and they went on for 40 more years yeah 2014 yeah. and had and put out tons of great, you know, tons of great music, you know, after he left, which is not an easy thing to do. When when you lose someone as pivotal as he was at one of the namesakes of the band, yeah. for, you know, for crying out loud. And they continued to make great, I mean, great music right up till the end, really. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I did want to give a shout out to, to the books there that, mm-hmm. you know, we did that I use in the research, you know, there was Sky Dog by Randy Poe. That was one of the key ones. And also a Gladwell Allman's memoir a song for my father that she wrote about Dwayne is, is another great read. So those were two really important pieces of research for us to help learn more about the guy. And, you know, there's so much music there. Like, so I encourage you go listen, you know, listen to Allman Brothers, listen to Dwayne's, you know, session work. There's He left so many good things and they are still there. You know, it's like, it's like it was said at his funeral, music is imperishable you know, we can still enjoy it.
1: Exactly. Well, again, thank you for that, Will. And we just want to lay out a couple things that are happening over the next few weeks since we're doing our year in wrap-up. So we have, we're going to be celebrating Admin Thea's birthday. So she's got a very special birthday slab nuts that's going to be coming up. We do have a Thea's not dead yet, (laughs) uh, not yet dead. I'm going to get the name of this right. Uh, Coming up, we also will be doing our In Memoriam And we will be doing our yearly wrap-up. We will not be doing a draft this year since we're still working on last year's draft. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so those are the episodes that are going to be coming up over the next couple of weeks. So after all that's done in the new year, we will begin new afresh. I will be taking the driver's seat this time. I'm tired of riding the back seat. I get motion sickness, so I'm happy to be back up in the front seat where we will be talking about Graham Parsons. And let me just tell you, I am currently reading two books right now on him, and it's already bananas. Yeah, it so funny. I cannot wait to bring it to you guys.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, when the subject of, of what happened in the immediate aftermath of your death yes. becomes the subject of a yeah, movie. No,
1: <laughs> writing the first episode right now, let me just tell you, the first episode we might not even get to the birth of him because <laughs> <laughs> his parents were just his whole family lineage is just nuts so and he's yeah. one of
0: these people who's connected to like everybody in the music
3: industry
1: yeah and so, so many endless. people are are like you know influenced by him and yeah it's going to be it's going to be really fun so we got a lot of stuff coming uh, yeah, up in the new yes. year yeah the the
3: the number of people who were influenced by him is lengthy lengthy I could sure. just
1: I could just do an episode where I just read off the people's names who said Graham Parsons when they were like, Who influenced you? And that would be the whole episode. <laughs> right. so, yeah, and
3: it would include some of the biggest names in the history of rock and roll and country. Mm-hmm. So
1: Yeah. So, and he's
3: come up and he came up in this series and the previous series.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for leading two teasers. Yeah, yeah, getting that pathway built up for me to, to do this series. Yeah. So So we'll
3: have uh, you know, birthday slap notes for admin. Thea, which we're looking forward to she's i think already picked her her topics and we'll have our in memoriam and you know there might be the thing i made up as a goofy afterthought as a joke a literal joke might turn into a real show we're just going to leave it at that
1: <laughs> dun, dun, dun.
3: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> all
1: right well let's uh let's get to wrapping this episode up and We'll start prepping for the next one because it will be, we want to keep our in-memoriam closer to the new year. So it's probably going to be Thea's Slap Nuts episode. But again, guys, go forward to Whamageddon. May the odds be ever in your favor, guys. But again, if you get out, please let us know. Our social stuff. If you think that we're doing really good, please go to patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven and you can donate there. If you think we're doing awesome and you'd like to give us some money, Tis the season, y'all. Twitter is a desert wasteland, so uh, let's just forget that. Our Instagram is Rock and Roll Heaven LT. Facebook, Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. If you do get out on again, please find my post where I lay out all the rules and regulations in a very Christmassy manner. I think you'll love it. I'm Still not saying our website. Uh, you can check out our TikTok, Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Or you can email us at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. Please make sure to check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com. And I will have to say I'm very excited because you guys know that I produce another podcast on the Pantheon network called Getting Real with John and Beth. And I feel like my brother's going to be really jealous when he hears that we actually talked to the drummer and percussionist for Chicago. Oh,
3: wow. Awesome.
1: Uh, Raymond Eastless. Raymond Eastlis is his name. And uh, it was a great interview. We don't know when that's going to be releasing, but please uh, make sure to check that podcast out as well. And also, guys, if you could, we have been hovering at 45 reviews on Apple since we basically started. So for Christmas, if you could, please go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Oh, and speaking of which, that was my can you guess what my number one song on my Spotify wrap-up was, Travis?
3: It had to be The Lion, By the Light, by Manfred Man's Ah! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tom McGinnis, and that was your federally
1: mandated Manfred Man reference of the podcast.
3: I hope you are satisfied.
1: If you could go over there, give us five stars, write a view. It helps out the show so much, and we love reading really good reviews. If you're gonna give us one star, email my brother at Lt at gmail.com and then in the subject matter put i'm pissed off at tj that way he knows to read it right, um, and
3: explain and explain to me why i suck and all that kind of stuff and how i'm dragging the show down with my hillbilly antics
1: you giggling hillbilly,
3: Since to giggling hillbilly? <laughs> although they said there were two giggling <laughs> hillbillies we're, <laughs> we're still looking for the other one
1: i'm trying to figure still out the to one is. yeah yeah all right. Well, that's our show, uh, guys. Thank you so much for checking this episode out. We will see you guys next week. Go forward in Wemhalla uh, Godspeed. And you know what? Thanks, guys. We love you all. TJ, do you have anything you'd like to say to the audience? Indeed I do. Bye, buddy. All right. I will let Will wrap this series up. Will, take the lead. Excellent. So,
0: I hope you enjoyed this series. And those of you who may not be as familiar with Wayne and the Omen Brothers again, go out listen for yourself. There's plenty to grab. And I was going back and forth on the final song here because I wanted something that was associated with Dwayne, which again represents a small fraction of the entire discography of this band. So I picked one that is, according to most sources, I can't 100% prove it, but I like to believe this, that is the last song he recorded for Eat a Peach. And that's one that always brightens my day. I hope it brightens yours. So the final song we're going to share with you is With the Great Dwayne Ullman on Slide Guitar. Here is Blue Sky. Good night, everybody.